This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Pour yourself a cold one. They strike them, huh? And listen to Russ Tucker break down the top college prospects on another tasty edition of The College Draft. Yeah, it is Daddy Soda time here on the College Draft Podcast presented by DraftKings. Hopefully everybody had a bunch of Daddy Sodas over the weekend. It's still the weekend. We are doing this for you guys for Memorial Day Monday. So as you're going to your barbecues or driving back from wherever you're from, you can watch or listen to us. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, Five teams, seven years, Washington, Dallas, Buffalo, New England, Cleveland for a minute, and then actually back to Washington. Could have been six teams in seven years, which is almost as good as Cassius Marsh, who was on last Monday's Ross Tucker football podcast. He is on his seventh team in eight years. Hard to do. It's hard to do on a lot of different levels, right? You can't be that good or you would have stayed places. You gave me that batter, you wouldn't keep getting signed. It's a real art to being a journeyman. Check me out on social media, at Ross Tucker NFL. And of course, you can check out the show, at Ross Tucker Pod. We believe that most podcasts, most people, don't spend enough time going over the draft that was. We talk so much leading up to it, then it happens You do one recap podcast and you move on. Not us. We're talking about every single draft pick that happened in the 2021 draft. You know why? Because we should. They deserve it. And it's fun for people to be able to see what we think about every guy that their team got. And by we, I don't mean me. I mainly mean Emery Hunt, a rising megastar in the media industry. Check him out on Twitter. At F Ball Game Plan, Football Game Plan on YouTube. He's all over CBS HQ. He's got that unbelievable draft guide that I know a lot of you guys got for last year. Footballgameplan.com slash 2021 draft guide. Just remember that I said this next couple of years when Emery's on TV and it all got, just remember I told you this was going to happen. Emery, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Ross. Always a pleasure to talk ball and appreciate the intro, man. And and again, we already are starting on 2022. We love to start in Canada and work our way down. Ooh, I like that. I also like that we're starting to get some of these reports about rookies at OTAs, although it is rare to get one that says the guy stinks, right? (laughs) I mean, you're not going to get very many. This guy stinks. He's not playing well at minicamp. If you see, I, I, I have become an expert, Emery, at listening to coach and player quotes and being able to read between the lines and tell you what that really means. Like, if they're like, he's got some potential. Yeah, if he just if he can just figure out a couple of things, that means the guy is a moron that is not doesn't know what he's doing 
And that's the nicest way they can say that about a high draft pick. I get, I wish to do a whole show where I go through quotes and be like, here's what he really means by that. I think I have like 95% accuracy. <laughs> because you know, at the end of the day, uh, if they say something negative, that'll get you know thrown all around the world. But you have to stay positive because you know everyone listens to these quotes. And you're right. You know, or when they say, oh, it's process. That's let you, man, like not who it was right now. So we got to take our time and be patient and readjust expectations for them. There's no doubt about it. Um, speaking of expectations, I'm curious, you know, since Aaron Rodgers is not at OTAs and you started on this show, I don't know, a year ago or so, I've never asked you what your thoughts were or your eval was of Jordan Love coming out of Utah State. Before we dive into the AFC West, and we will, every draft was the AFC West, I am curious, what was your eval of Jordan Love coming out? You know, I had a high second-round grade on Jordan Love. I compared his game style and play uh, to Deshaun Kaiser coming out of Notre Dame. Guys that had a whip-like arm, good athleticism, um, can really drive the ball downfield, miss a lot of the layups on the shorter throws, but the deeper throws is where they had the success. And he his game reminded me a lot of Deshaun Kaiser. Um, and so that's where I had him. So I, you know, so him going late first, not as much of a surprise if he was going to go in a top 15 like some were projecting him doing to do so in that draft class. So just you want to see him get the grooming that Deshaun Kaiser didn't get. So that's why I like Love's, you know, uh, prospects moving forward. Kaiser was thrown into the mix early as a 21-year-old, 20-year-old um, you know, rookie and didn't really get the grooming and the benefit of having – you know, that second year to correct his wrongs as a rookie with a better team around him in year two, we're seeing Love get the proper grooming for a quarterback that has that had upside but had some issues he had to work his way through. You know, it just doesn't work that way, Emery, and there's no way to do it. But I would always love, with anybody, I would love to take a guy like Kaiser, put him in a different team, different situation, and just see what would happen with his career. He had a lot of tools, man. And that tools are not enough. We know that. But I, I'd just be curious. And I'm not saying he'd be Mahomes at all. But I would just be curious to see what happens if he sat behind Alex Smith for a year and then was a the quarterback of the Chiefs. I don't know. You know, would he be a competent starting quarterback? Would he still be not good? Like, I don't know. But I'd be curious to find out. And, and to, to piggyback off that point, Reports coming out of Tennessee is that he's already looking like a solid QB2. Um, and, and granted, he's competing with Logan Whiteside, but the fact that he's still going upwards, you know, in terms of making progressions in this game, and Ryan Tannehill, who stylistically plays a lot like Deshaun Kaiser, it gives you some credence to, the, to what you're talking about. And I, I was talking about this with my college coach. You know, we talk every day, and I was just saying how beneficial, just for me, redshirting was and you know some people look at it as a, a knock but man redshirting allows everything to slow down for you you get to get a good grasp of everything and you get to you know get your body right get your weight right uh, and you get to understand the playbook and I think for for rookies you're right sometimes a little bit of apprenticeship works to your benefit as opposed to being thrown out there so I didn't redshirt in college but 
My first year in the NFL, I didn't really play. I was inactive for 12 games, played like as the third tight end or special teams in four games. I didn't really play. The difference between year one and year two for me, Emery, could not have possibly been more significant. I mean, year one, I would not have been ready. I had a good training camp and a good OTAs and stuff, and I made the team. But mentally, physically, and maybe it's because I didn't redshirt, maybe it's from the Ivy League or whatever, I, I would not have been ready. When we started OTAs that second year, I was 15 pounds heavier, and I no longer had any doubt in my mind about whether I could compete physically or mentally. I went from, like, hoping I could make the team to the next year thinking, I'm as good as anybody. I should start. And just the level of confidence I had going into that second year I mean, I would have struggled if I had been thrown into the game action as a rookie. Instead, I wasn't until my second year, and I was able to perform much better as a result. The game slows down, man. And when when it slows down, your confidence rises, and you'll be able to play to the skill level that you have, which is so key. Let's dive into these draft choices. I didn't realize the Denver Broncos, we break down the AFC West, had so many picks. Uh, day one was Patrick Sertan the second. Then day two, they went Javante Williams, the UNC running back, Quinn Miners, the Wisconsin Whitewater Center, and Baron Browning, the linebacker from Ohio State. Your thoughts on those guys, Emery? Yeah, I love the the Sertan pick because that's a day one plug and play starter. That really helps strengthen him on the perimeter because you got him and now Kyle Fuller, outstanding cornerback. The no-fly zone looks to be back. Uh, with their day two picks with Williams and Miners, at worst, you strengthen the depth on the roster because Williams will go into a situation where he has to compete with Melvin Gordon and also Royce Freeman. And you also look at Miners. They drafted Cushenberry last year. Miners can come in and compete at center, uh, you know, but most likely he's going to provide good depth there but also could have a pathway to start at guard if need be on, you know, opposite of Cushenberry and Reisner. So at worst, he provides depth. So I love those two picks because they give those guys good depth with pathways to be starters down the line. Refresh my memory. You were a pretty big Javante Williams guy, right? No, I wasn't. He was my number 10 running back because... Oh, you didn't like yeah, him? I thought people loved him. But People loved him. I thought he was kind of... He reminded me a lot of what they have already on the roster in Royce Freeman. You know, a solid back that's you know that has good birds, good explosiveness, uh, but I worry about the vision and the inability to consistently make guys miss. You know, so for me, it's, is he better than Melvin Gordon? Is he better than Royce Freeman? I just think the situation for him may not be the most ideal because those are two guys he's going to have to leapfrog. Now, granted, he was drafted in the second round, so coaches think he can leapfrog those guys, but is now a wait-and-see approach. And how many carries will he get if Gordon is balling or Freeman and, and Williams are neck and neck? So I think him getting drafted by Denver kind of is a head-scratcher because of the situation isn't a clear pathway for him to get those carries that he needs. Uh, what do you think of Browning? 
I thought Browning was a good point of attack player, not the twitchy, most explosive pass rusher, but someone that can be a good depth player on the edge. You, you look at what they're trying to do. Uh, they're trying to get guys that can, you know, sub in and play those positions rather well. Browning, to me, finished strong, you know, and, and people will look at the way he finished and think that was his whole career, but it wasn't. But the way he finished kind of gives you a pathway to think, okay, if we can get him to do this, uh, going forward, then we have a pretty good, reliable uh, rotational piece on the edge because, again, you have Von Miller coming off of an injury, you have Chubb coming off of an injury, and you didn't have depth there like you wanted to. Browning gives him someone that's stable that's not going to be a, a liability versus the run but also has a little bit of an upside as a pass rusher. Taking a look at day three, they had one, two, three, four, five, six day three picks. They went Caden Stearns, the safety from Texas, Jamar Johnson, the safety from Indiana, Seth Williams, the wide receiver from Auburn. What do you have on those guys? I love Seth Williams. He was my number two inside wide receiver. So like that bigger inside presence, like a bigger slot. Williams was was excellent. And he also is very good blocking in terms of uh, the run game. So I love that, you know, tenacity about his game. They also drafted Kerry Vincent, the nickel slot corner uh, from LSU, who I really like. I think this is a combo guy, can play safety, can play nickel corner. So they got another player on the back end. Um, and Jamar Johnson, to me, was the better of the two safeties out of him and Stearns. Uh, Johnson has good ball skills, good instincts, can play single high, uh, has the athleticism that you look for. And even as undrafted rookies, they got Warren Jackson out of Colorado State, 6'6", 215, opted out this past year, but was tremendous for the Rams in 2019. And Mac McCain, one of the more dominant corners uh, at the FCS level at an HBCU at North Carolina A&T, uh, great ball skills and instincts. And he was one of those guys that ended a lot of games for their upset victories. He was a, He had a pick six against East Carolina, pick six against the University of Charlotte, both of which won, those, won them those games, had a uh, you know a pick six against Morgan State. I was on that broadcast when he brought that ball back 100-plus yards. So this guy always finds the ball and always is making game-changing plays. You know, I did Colorado State, Fresno State this past year. I totally forgot about Warren Jackson. Like, they talked about him. You know, he opted out. How many guys opted out and then didn't even get drafted? Yeah. I mean, that is brutal. And, and you, you think about it. At first you thought, well, they won't hold that against guys, you know, global pandemic. But you know how the league is. It's about what you saw last. And if they didn't see you last, you kind of was out of sight, out of mind. Wow, man. Anything on their last two seventh-round picks, Jonathan Cooper and Marquis Spencer? I think Spencer is an underrated player. He's my number one five technique. Um, he was a linebacker coming into Mississippi State. And then he, he grew into a defensive end. So now you have a guy on a on a line of scrimmage that has second-level eyes. So he has the eyes of a linebacker with the technique of a, of a defensive lineman. I liked him a lot watching this tape. I thought he moved rather well. I was like, he's moving way too well for a defensive end. Then I found out he was a linebacker when he came in. Then it made all the sense in the world. So I think that's a really good underrated pickup by Denver. Let's get into the Kansas City Chiefs. They stayed pretty local for their first two picks. Round two, they took Nick Bolton, the linebacker from Missouri, and Creed Humphrey, the center from Oklahoma. Bolton is someone that, that's interesting because he's a, a dart-and-shoot type 
linebacker. He, you know, he's explosive. He's um he's a an explosive tackler upon contact. I think he drops back in zone coverage rather fluidly. He's really able to get back in those drops. So he plays fast in all directions. You like that about his game. And there's a pathway for him to start. Humphrey was excellent for Kansas City. We all saw the Super Bowl. We all saw the interior pressure uh, get blown up and, and them not have a good day against Tampa Bay. But, and to and be able to get one of the top-tier centers in the draft where they selected and where they selected him, probably one of the hugest steals uh, this past April. I've never seen a team revamp a single position group as much as the Chiefs have the offensive line this offseason. I've never seen it. I mean, Orlando Brown at left tackle, Joe Thune at left guard, Austin Blythe and Creed Humphrey at center, Kyle Long and Laurent Duvernay-Tardif at right guard. Mike Remmers at right tackle is the only, like, returner. They even have Lucas Niang coming back from opting out last year. I mean, it is unbelievable. And they drafted Trey Smith, who we'll get to. The next two picks, Joshua Kando and uh, Noah Gray. I remember Kando was uh, highly, highly recruited. I just don't remember him ever really doing anything at Florida State. He really did. And that's what's really frustrating. I'm glad you are on the front end of it as well because you see these guys as high school prospects and then you see them go through the four-year to five-year process as college players. So you remember what his, his hype was coming into Florida State and he didn't really do much. You know, his body looks the part, but you want to see him consistently play the part. So I'm more fascinated about the development that he's going to get in Kansas City with Spagnuolo as a defensive coordinator. You hope the light comes on for him because physically he can he can hold his own, but you want to see the play out on the field match up with that. And Gray for Duke, to me, one of those traditional flex tight ends, guys that can get down the seam. Uh, you know, you could kind of shake a bag up in college football and pull out one of these flex tight ends, but Gray was one of those, those threats that you saw consistently show up on film on offense for the Blue Devils. They had terrible quarterback situation, but Gray was a consistent player. You know, uh, their last two picks, round five, Cornell Powell, the wide receiver from Clemson, he made a lot of plays last year. And then Trey Smith, the guard from Tennessee, I'll never forget Trey Smith's first play ever. I'm watching Tennessee, Georgia Tech, and he pulls to the right on a G play and just annihilates a poor Georgia Tech DB and then smashes him. Um, he just has the blood clot issue, I guess, that people are worried about. Your thoughts on those two guys? I thought those two probably should have gone before the other two, uh, you know, a round or two earlier. Uh, Powell is a pro's pro already. You know, he just finds open grass, finds receptions, finds first downs. He's a solid player. Should give them, you know, a good presence on the inside. And Smith, like you talked about, just to continue to rebuild and revamp that offensive line. He will be someone, if medically he's able to stay okay by year two, he may be a starter up front for Kansas City, and now you got two legit studs on the inside. So before we get to the Raiders, I just want to make sure all of our great listeners and people that watch on YouTube, youtube.com slash NFL. look, we're going to the beach, we're going to the pool, it's the summer, you want to look your best. If you see even a hint of losing your hair, you got to get on keeps. You got to do it. Two out of three men will experience some form of hair loss by the time they're 35. We just watched 
my wedding video with my daughters. First of all, I was 335 pounds. Don't recommend heaviest day of your life being your wedding day. Secondly, you could see I was already thinning. I was already thinning at 26 years old. And I found out after the fact, you don't even start to see it balding until you've lost 50% of the hair in that area. More than 50 million men in the U.S. suffer from male pattern baldness. There are only two FDA-approved medications that can prevent hair loss. Keeps offers both. I take both. I have for years. Look at my hair now. Yeah, I still have the bald spot in the back, but it looks pretty darn good. I'm 16 years later, 16-year wedding anniversary. If you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com slash draft to receive your first month of treatment for free. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash draft to get your first month free. Keeps.com slash draft. I'm a huge fan. What's the old commercial, Emery? I'm not just a uh I'm, I'm not, not just a, <laughs> the owner, I'm a client, or I'm not, just the, I'm not just the endorser, I'm a user. Um <laughs> let's get to the Raiders. People killed them, Emery. They killed him for Leatherwood at 17. Did you hate it? Didn't hate it because I had a, you know, a, he was one of my top 10 tackles in the class. So I had an 80 plus grade on him. So I liked the pick. And we know this, um, the draft, you, if you try to game the draft, you're going to always lose. And they have better intel than we do. They knew someone probably was going to take Leatherwood, so they couldn't wait um, to take him later. So they had to take him now. And, and I've always said this, if you like someone and you think he can help your football team, Take him. It's your team. It's picking teams. You know, that's all it is, essentially. Okay, I like this guy. I'm taking him. You know, and so Leatherwood, to me, gives him a really good starter. Dude can play any one of the positions up front. So any place you need him to start, he can do it. He's done it. So I didn't I didn't mind the Leatherwood pick, actually. I forgot what you thought of uh, Trayvon Merrig, the safety from TCU. I like Trayvon Merrig. He was my number two strong safety uh, right behind Richie Grant. But Trayvon Merrick is a strong safety that has really good fluidity. I think he can, you know, moonlight between free safety and strong safety if you want him to. Good ball skills, very good cover skills in, in the shallow area of the field. Um, he's a good open field tackler, does a lot of things well, won't get you beat back deep. So love that pick too. So the first two picks for the Raiders, I thought were outstanding. Round three, Malcolm Koontz, the edge rusher from University of Buffalo, and all-time name, Divine Diablo, the safety from Virginia Tech. Now, this is where I had some questions because if you're looking for a pass rusher, um, maybe pass rushing probably should have been more of the forefront earlier uh, considering this wasn't the draft where you had way too many of the uh, elite-type prospects. So if you saw someone that had that potential, you have to grab them. Koontz, to me, is someone that I had more of a of a six-round grade on. Um you know, I thought he was productive, but not, you know, overly, you know, twitchy or, or, or whatnot. So I'm interested to see how he develops. Diablo is someone that, you know, plays safety, but is going to be a weak side linebacker uh, at the second level. He's someone that uh, we've seen, you know, people do this before, take college safeties and move them to linebacker. I think Josh Jones uh, for the Packers at, was drafted to do that, uh, but he didn't too much work out. We saw Darnell Bing at some point, remember him? 
Um, oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. And, you know, so uh, our, the other guy that was at USC, I forget his name, Taylor Mays. Taylor Mays, another one. So we've seen this happen before. Diablo, I mean, the athleticism is clearly evident. He can get from you know the deep third to the alley, you know, down at the point of attack in an instant, and vice versa. So you you just want to see him make more plays. The athleticism is there, but the playmaking has to be more consistent. Day three, they took Tyree Gillespie, the safety from Missouri, Nate Hobbs, a corner from Illinois, and Jimmy Morrissey, a center from Pitt. Love the Morrissey selection, first and foremost. Started his career as a walk-on and became one of the best centers in Pitt history. Like, think about that statement for a minute. And you think about those interior linemen and offensive linemen in general that have come from that program. You go on, you know, Bill Freilich and all these guys, right? Um, so just think about the pit tradition up front and for him to be, you know, considered the best center to come out of there. Uh, so love what he can do on both ends of offense. It's a really good pick for, for, the, for the Raiders. And Nate Hobbs in the fifth round to me was outstanding. People didn't watch too much of Illinois football, but you watch Nate Hobbs out there on the back end. And you remember he's playing for Lovey Smith, who is one of the better defensive coaches in, in football. And he was able to star out there consistently very early. And so when you think about his his football acumen and his football IQ, along with his skill set and productivity at Illinois, I think this is another one of these underrated picks for uh, for the Raiders. And Gillespie is someone that's going to provide good depth. He has good athleticism. He's very physical versus the run. And I think initially he's going to be a core special teamer. All right, last but definitely not least, 20th consecutive year. There's a lot of hype surrounding the L.A. Chargers. This is the year. Round one, Rashawn Slater. This was one of the most mocked uh, picks of the whole draft. Slater to the Chargers at 13, and they got him. They really did. They got a day one starter, uh, whether you want to start him at tackle or whether you want to start him at guard. You got you a day one plug-and-play guy that has excellent ability on both ends of offense. Outstanding selection. That alone gives them a home run. You know, they they got four new starters up front. Slater, Abushi, Lindsley, Filer, Balaga is really the only returnee. So they, them and the Chargers, I mean, them and the Chiefs, that's a lot of guys to be changing. What about Asante Samuel Jr. in round two, Emery? selfishly as you know growing up a Saints fan I wanted the Saints to take Asante Samuel Jr. because at a gaping hole at cornerback outside of Marshawn Lattimore they passed on him went with Peyton Turner but the Chargers they got a guy that that plays a lot like Jason Verrett someone they drafted who was outstanding before the injuries kind of took away a lot of his his youth uh but this dude Samuel plays the ball plays the game like his father did and when you're when you're able to end up with the ball in your hands often playing defense, that's someone I kind of want on my team. You know, he turns the ball over. And now you look at what they have now with, with him. They they have uh Chris Harris out there. Uh so they're gonna be back to what they what they are known for, their secondary. Um, you know, Duran James is coming back healthy. Uh we should see growth from the Sear Adderley, you know, next year as well. But I love the Asante Samuel Jr. selection. That was an instant hit in my opinion. All right, so round three, they took Josh Palmer, a wide receiver from Tennessee, and Trey McKitty, a tight end from Georgia. I think both of those are really good picks. Palmer can stack and track with the best of them. Underrated receiver, did a lot of great things uh, in the SEC. And McKitty, people looked at his stats and said, what the hell are they doing? But don't look at his stats. 
look at his athleticism at Georgia, and then go look at his stats back at Florida State and realize that was a really good pick. He's going to be a move tight end type. I think he has John Smith type ability. So another one of these underrated offensive weapons to build around Justin Herbert. Next two guys, round four and five, Chris Rumpf, the edge rusher from Duke, and Brendan, I forget how to say the last name, the tackle from Nebraska. I don't know if it's Hymas or James, whatever. Right. He's a really good pick, whether it's Hymas or James or Jameis, whatever the, the last name may be, he is really good. He is a stud up front. I think that's another one of these uh, value picks that they were able to grab. I think he's going to have a pathway to start at some point in time during his rookie season because he's he's really good. But you also look at um, the, the fact that they got Rumpf. Rumpf is a, a slender guy, but he has quicks and bursts off the edge. He's going to thicken out his frame as he gets you know that pro strength conditioning and nutrition in his in the system. But you can't teach the athleticism and the twitchiness and his ability to dip that shoulder and flatten accelerate to the quarterback. Rumpf was a really good value pick again. So the Chargers, in my opinion, were ace in the draft as they went along. Last three picks. Nick Neiman, the linebacker from Iowa. Larry Roundtree, running back Missouri. And Mark Webb, a safety from Georgia. Roundtree seems like he was at Missouri for a decade. So, you know, it's it's finally good to see him progress and go to the NFL. Good all-around game. Better receiver than given credit for. And has a chance... In that backfield where you have a lot of good pieces, but guys have been inconsistent because of injury. So there's a chance for him to really carve out a role there. And both Neiman and Webb, I think, are day one core special teamers for for, uh, Los Angeles. I was about to say San Diego. Do you know what draft choice this year Mark Webb played with in high school? I do not know. He played with Kyle Pitts. They both went to Archbishop Wood High School. Webb was actually like the more well-known guy as a receiver. Goes to Georgia. They move him to corner. And then after a couple years at corner, they move him to safety. I don't even think he played defense for Archbishop Wood. He was a tall receiver. They had Webb at receiver and Pitts at tight end. And they never threw the ball. Never, ever, 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 ever. And they still won state championship after state championship, just running it down people's throats. But, yeah, he's more of like a special teams guy, right? Yeah, he's a he's a core special teamer. Your day one gunner. Uh, he's going to be on your kick coverage units. And, again, people need to understand, strengthening special teams units help you win games. Excellent work, as always, Emery. Helping you know what you're talking about is – following at F-Ball Game Plan on Twitter or Football Game Plan on YouTube. Please subscribe to our YouTube page, youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. Great way to see the highlight clips of all the other shows. Maybe you don't want to watch them. You just want to see the best of the best of the other shows. That's a great way to do it. Or follow us on social media at Ross Tucker Pod. Next week, we switch over to the NFC. Other than that, the keg is kicked. We are all tapped out. Thanks for listening to the College Draft Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and the Business of Sports. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found. A lot of times on the show, I mention DraftKings. Here's what you need to know. you got to be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or in Indiana, one 800 
with it. By the way, if what I was talking about included a deposit bonus, doesn't always, sometimes it does. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough, and deposit bonuses are paid out in site credit. 